Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Paso Paso Podcast. My name is Miles. So glad to bring you another episode. And today's guest uh, will introduce herself. However, we just had a very successful event uh, related to legislature and uh, a lot of activity in the world of early childhood that we hope you all will uh, share your voice um, and uh, and perspective on. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks so much for being here. Definitely. Thank you, Miles, for having me on. My name is Jessica Cowdery, and I'm the Director of Public Policy with CHI St. Joseph's Children. And our organization is a part of the Invest in Kids Now Coalition, which has been advocating for over a decade uh, to provide funding for early childhood education from the Land Grant Permanent Fund. Wonderful. And thank you again for all of your work. Um, uh, you've done more in this world uh, related to this topic than I'm aware of before we speak today. And hopefully today will be an opportunity uh, to provide some context. Um, you mentioned the permanent fund. Uh, these are phrases and very important aspects of this topic that our listeners may not be as familiar with. Can you um, just kind of start at the very beginning, um, perhaps just at the fact that our community and state could benefit from additional funding for early childhood services and what uh, opportunity uh, is before us at this time? Definitely. That is a great place to start uh, from the beginning. Um, so the land grant permanent fund, a lot of folks in New Mexico don't know about it. Um, and it's actually, it was formed in 1910 before we even became a state. And uh, often in New Mexico, we think, oh, we're, we're poor, we don't have money, we're, we're always, you know, trying to find resources to fund our much needed um, programs in the state. But in reality, we actually are very wealthy as a state. Our land grant permanent fund is now upwards of $22 billion. And so it is an incredibly large fund. Um, the reason it was we have this fund is it was really established um, to situate us so that we could build an economy in New Mexico uh, to be admitted into the United States of America. So uh, for us to get um, statehood, uh, the federal government seized land um, and put it into trust um, and money generated from that land goes into the land grant permanent fund. And so it has been growing steadily ever since its creation. Um, and it is now upwards of $22 billion. That's amazing. And as I think about this, I think about a lot of parallel conversations that might connect with our listeners regarding uh, the difference between, let's say, uh, I know there's a lot outside of the topic, but earning an hourly wage and then paying your bills and starting over versus having wealth. And it sounds as though this is an example of our state's wealth in a way, as you mentioned, that uh, many people aren't aware exists. And um, it makes it then... You know, kind of begs the question as, what is the plan for this money? I've heard it called a rainy day fund. Uh, when it's called that, uh, given the fact that we fall so so low, unfortunately, on the uh, national scales with respect to uh, childhood well-being, however that's measured, and whatever your thoughts are on that, um, but what is the vision for this money? Why do some people want to leave it alone, and why do other people want to utilize some of this to help us uh, progress? You know, that is a wonderful question, and um you know, the, the reason the fund has been growing so rapidly is because it grows by 11% per year. And that is uh, from proceeds from the use of the land, as well as the investment in Wall Street. So it is growing very, very quickly. Now, um, our argument is that we are 
cheating our current children uh, for the mythical future children. So some folks say, you know, let's let the fund grow bigger and bigger and bigger and save more and more and more. But our argument is, no, we need to spend money on children now. Our children now are in dire needs of early childhood services. And our children today will be the parents of tomorrow's children. And if they aren't prepared to do, be the best they can be, then we really are, are not setting ourselves up for success. Um, and, and just quickly to point back to um, what you brought up about generational wealth. Um, you know, when these lands were seized from our Native American brothers and sisters, and then later the Hispanic land grants, you know, land generates wealth. So those families have lost the, intergener uh, the intergenerational ability to, to, to develop this wealth. And it's the descendants of these very families who now often don't have access to programs. So in a way, this is like wealth redistribution. It's a, a racial equity issue. Um, instead of putting more money under the mattress, we need to fund programs that we know work. Um, and so this is really a, a very important issue for our state to advance. Yes, I hear that. And given that, it, it, uh, what I'm gathering as a layman to these things, a new, a new entry into this world, so to speak, um, I, I feel as though some of the caution is surrounding that no one, uh, as far as our elected legislators who have this power to help uh, advance this issue, um, that we will continue to clarify here on the podcast, uh, to bring it to a vote so that the people of the state can vote. Uh, the, the caution not only seems to be, oh, well, there's money there and blah, 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 and there's this history that we need to uh, be conservatively um, cautious with, but also does it come down to someone that we've elected not wanting to be blamed if something goes wrong? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's a wonderful question that you bring up about, you know, putting it to the voters. That's really, you know, what we are asking, you know, legislators have a lot of responsibility and they, you know, uh, as elected officials and representatives, um, are always thinking about being accountable to their people and making wise decisions. And that is very, very important. The unique uh, nature of this uh, legislation though is at this point in time, what we are asking of the legislators is to put the question to the voters. Do, do the, does the Mexican uh, populace um, believe that we should increase the distribution from the land grant permanent fund by 1% uh, to fund early childhood programs. So in that regard, the onus and accountability is shared between the legislators and the New Mexico population. So what we're really asking at this point is that the legislators put it to a vote uh, up or down to New Mexico. And, and then together we have that responsibility to make sure that we are spending this money wisely. Thank you. And so, um, in this series of this podcast and what is aired on the radio on KNCE and also through uh, your favorite podcast app um, and the PasoTaos.org website, uh, our listeners may have heard uh, the previous couple episodes that aimed to summarize the recent event that um, you set up and I helped co-host um, that really brought together the Taos community and legislators. Um, and just to clarify for those who may not have heard that, as I understand it, it's already passed the House, one of our two um, legislative branches or, or sections, if you will. It's now going to arrive in the Senate. Uh, if they move it forward, then it will go to that vote. Um, and so it's in the Senate's hands and our senators' hands to uh, move it forward, if that's what our community would like to see. Is that accurate? 
correct. Um, at this point, um, um, as we're recording the, the podcast, it is on the Senate side. Um, it is assigned to two Senate committees, that is Senate Rules and the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, and then once it passes both of those committees, it goes to the full Senate for a vote. Once the full Senate approves it, uh, different from other pieces of legislation, it does not need the governor's signature. Because it is a constitutional amendment, the final uh, up or down is are the voters of New Mexico. So then it would uh, be put to the New Mexican uh, voters um, on an upcoming election. Now, time seems to be of the essence, and that's part of the reason why... Um... Is it two days since we did the online event that we're recording this? I don't recall how long ago it was. Yeah, I think two or three days, Two yeah. days. Uh, you know, just for clarity, uh, we're recording this midday on Wednesday, February 24th. Um, you know, there's a lot of information to get out there, and we do want to reshare that event, which is why we are going to share it on the podcast uh, likely before this one. However, that being said, what is the timeline we're looking at? As I mentioned, um, as of this moment, it's February 24th. Um, how soon may this come up in the Senate in a way that uh, would suggest that we need to get our, our voices behind it uh, beforehand? Yeah, well, even even today we can start to take action, but the hard deadline uh, is when the legislature ends, and that is March 20th. Um, so we have um, a little less than a month uh, before uh, the gavel goes down and they uh, close the legislative session. Um, so really, any time between now and then, we anticipate uh, being her, uh, put on the agenda first in Senate Rules Committee. Uh, they meet Monday, Wednesday, Fridays uh, in the morning. Um, and so we're just keeping our, our, um, our eyes peeled and ears open for when that will be. And so that could happen at any time on those days. We don't know how much time we have to, to voice our thoughts. Correct, correct. Wow. Well, then for that reason... All of our lucky subscribers will get this episode extra early. Awesome. <laughs> what I is, like to do that. Yeah, thank you. You're, you're a wealth of knowledge, and I'm just really glad that we can connect with you and share this with the Taos area community and beyond. Um, what are some of those steps for those who haven't advocated to uh, use their voice as a New Mexican uh, with respect to the legis legislature and, and votes? Um, how can they be represented and, and share their thoughts in a way that you feel will be effective at this time? Definitely. Well, there's de there's a lot of ways to um, get involved in the legislative process. And even with the pandemic, uh, we might think, well, uh, it's more closed off. But due to technology and social media, there's many venues. Um, one place I would recommend uh, folks going is if you want updates on, for instance, an action alert on when it will be heard in Senate rules, uh, you can go to the Invest in Kids Now webpage and sign up to be a champion. So that website is investinkidsnow.org. Uh, and just uh, go to the, the uh, uh, champion page and, and submit your name and email. The other thing that is really important to do is visit our New Mexico legislative website. Um, it's nmlegis.gov. Uh, and there you can look up legislation. Um, you can find the committee uh, members. Um, so that is definitely what I would recommend. Go to the Senate committee uh, page and look up Senate rules. And there you can find all of the 
committee members that will be voting on it. And so that is, that's kind of the sequence of events. You want to first focus on Senate rules, look at those members, your legislator may be on that committee even. Um, and then you can look at the Senate Finance Committee, uh, see what members are on there. The Taos community is very fortunate that your Senator, uh, Bobby Gonzalez, is on Senate Finance. So he will be voting on this not just once, but twice. Uh, when it passes Senate Finance, he'll get to vote on it again with the whole body of the Senate. Thank you. And so Senate rules is not just about the rules of the Senate, but it's an actual committee. And so these are the things we're learning here. Okay, thank you for that order of events. And investingkidsnow.org uh, is the website that will start out. And I'll go there today myself and register um, because it is, um, it's interesting, you know, that we don't know when this, these votes will occur. Is it a sure thing that they'll even come up in the Senate? Is that part of the process that, that, um, that they will vote on this? Or is it possible that it, it might fade away, which we don't want to happen? You know, that's an excellent question. I mentioned in the beginning, we've been advocating for this for 10 years. And, and that's sometimes what happens if uh, legislators don't want to be on the record of voting up or down on an issue. They will just simply fail to have it heard in the committee. And we say that is dying a silent death. And that is what happened last year in Senate finance. The, ch the chairman at that time, he's no longer the chairman, but chairman um, John Arthur Smith uh, just decided not to schedule it, even though it had passed Senate rules. So it passed Senate rules last year, and then it just didn't uh, get heard in Senate finance and the clock ran out. So this is the same legislation uh, as far as how it's written that would have gone that far last year? And is there a champion in the Senate who would be kind of pushing this forward and, and the person that would uh, want to see it um, carry through these different processes? Yeah, we definitely have uh, many, many champions in the Senate. Um, the, the folks who have been very involved over the years is Senator uh, Linda Lopez and Senator Jerry Ortiz-Pino. Um, they have been strong advocates for it, as well as Senator Campos. Uh, Pete Campos has, is a champion and is one of the primary uh, sponsors of it this year. So we have uh, very uh, some great champions in the Senate. Now, it's interesting, just by the nature of the fact that the House of Representatives has debated and passed this legislation over the years from the House, the representatives are better versed um, in what this legislation is just because they've been vetting and debating it. But because it has hit more roadblocks on the Senate side, some of the senators um, are still bringing up questions that were put to bed many years ago in the House of Representatives. Yeah, what are some of those? Because this might be a good time as we end our last few minutes of this episode to address some of the things that were brought up in the recent uh, Taos Early Childhood Town Hall. Um, and thank you to all of you who listening who attended. That was an amazing showing. Um, yes, this would be a great time to to reply to some of those points that seem to be the sticking sticky points, sticking points either way, that um, are preventing, at least verbally, um, Senator Gonzalez or, or may prevent or not even prevent, just get, be a factor. So, so what are your responses to some of the things that were brought up in that debate? Yeah, there's, you know, uh, it's interesting because New Mexico, um, when we amend our own state constitution, we are still required to go to Congress to get it approved. Now, it, hypothetically, if we didn't do that, it could lead us to grounds for a lawsuit if somebody wanted to sue us. So in 2003, there was a constitutional amendment, a different one. Uh, it was not for early childhood. 
Uh, it was for K-12, but it was to increase the distribution. And at that point, we did not go to Congress for approval. Um, our legislators believe that that we do not need to go, um, and if we have to, we will. But the reason we, it's very antiquated. The reason we have to get congressional approval is because when we became a state in 1912, um, it was very uh, paternalistic relationship, patriarchal relationship, because we were the Southwest and we were uh, a majority uh, people of color and continue to be state. So the federal uh, uh, delegation said, you need our approval to amend your own state constitution because we cannot trust that you will make the right decisions on your own. So it's very antiquated. And, and so for that reason, uh, kind of the, the way it's been working is if the people of New Mexico approve uh, the increased distribution through a constitutional amendment, that's respected. And, and people don't really bring it up because it is so old, uh, this way it was set up. So, so it's kind of, it's, it's not black and white. There's a little bit of gray in there. Um, but hey, if we have to go to Congress, we will. So we're not worried about a lawsuit. We'll, we'll, it's not a roadblock. It's just a hurdle if we have to cross it. And we will because it's the right thing to do. Um, the other question that I just wanted to address also was we is this question of adding a beneficiary. Now, for the listeners, the beneficiaries of the land-grant permanent fund are the institutions that existed when we were becoming a state. So there are 21 of them. So again, the reason they made the land-grant permanent fund was to help us build an economy, to help us build a public infrastructure of institutions that serve the folks of New Mexico. So there's 21 beneficiaries um, and each beneficiary is connected to a parcel of land um, as, as Senator Gonzalez was uh, discussing in our town hall. The largest uh, and the most productive land is the land connected to what is called the common schools. So we are not adding a beneficiary, we're just updating the definition of what does education mean and, and updating it to what the science says that Learning begins before birth and, and definitely, um, you know, when the child is born, they are learning by leaps and bounds, as your listeners are well aware. So we are updating that definition of education to include the little guys. And that's what's been happening over the years. When we became a state, there was really just, you know, primary school. Then they added high school and then kindergarten. So it's just bringing up uh, the, the beneficiaries, the current beneficiaries to speed. Uh, but we are not adding an additional beneficiary. Yeah, thank you. And it, it really reminds me of um, perhaps if I was more prepared, I could have brought some context for what life in 1910 was like and how different it is and why perhaps um, that's not necessarily the benchmark for decisions we should make in 2021. Um, you know, just to to weigh both sides of this discussion, um, you know, it, it seems clear to me as someone that is connected to the early child community in Taos and yourself and, and, and the public that people that are aware of this as an issue are in favor of it. They want to see more uh, money going to support early childhood that both supports those doing the work to care for our um, possibly our most important citizens while their parents are at work or doing other things, um, as well as support families to a greater extent. Um, would this, if it were to pass, do away with private early childhood centers and make it all kind of a YDI format, uh, Head Start, or, or what would that look like um, aside from um, possible increases in wages or, or greater reimbursements for families for those services? Wow, that is just an excellent question. And as we know, we have been working as a state 
very hard to build out and support our early childhood ecosystem, including private and public and federally funded programs. And this constitutional in no way, uh, constitutional amendment in no way will undermine that. It will enhance it. It will add, it will grow the pie. That was really the imp uh, impetus for this whole movement was to, instead of needing to slice one piece of pie among many, how do we grow the pie so that there's enough resources and leverage that federal money so that we aren't duplicating uh, services. So we don't want to replace Head Start. We want to bring down all the federal money we can for programs. We want to uh, continue to fund uh, private providers because they play a crucial role in providing community-based programming that is needed in the, the local communities that they serve. And then also support uh, the public schools um, early childhood system. So it's not an either or, but all of the above. And so this constitutional amendment does not change any laws. It doesn't change any way that the funding is being disseminated. It just adds to the um, menu of funding options we have. And what's great is now we have the early childhood education and care department that is really coordinating all of this. So they're going to be able to take that big picture look and make sure that we are, are uh, directing uh, money uh, where it's needed. Uh, things like you mentioned, increasing uh, wages for our early educators and reimbursement rates and increasing access and all of those wonderful things that we've been working so hard over the years to do. Great. Well, thank you again so much for your expertise in this topic and for your, um, you know, serving as an advisor really to myself and others to learn more about this process and what it is we're facing as an opportunity. Uh, just to wrap up, um, if you could share one more time the website where our listeners can go and visit and, and sign up to be uh, in touch with this process. Um, and certainly everyone listening should stay in touch. We will be adding uh, on the front page of PasoTaos.org uh, some ways in which you can connect with that website as well as uh, locally who to call and stay in touch with if you would like to help us uh, push this measure forward. Great. Yes, thank you so much. So um, you can stay in touch with this effort by signing up to be a champion at the Invest in Kids Now website. And that URL is investinkidsnow.org. Great. Well, thanks again, Jessa. Really appreciate you being here. I uh, hope we will speak again soon, and let's hope that we get the support we need in the coming weeks. Sounds great. Thank you, Miles.